0: The outlook that grocers are getting for 2023 is not a whole lot of change from the economic challenges we experienced in 2022. I'm talking about labor challenges and inflation. I'm Stephanie Hoff for the Midwest Farm Report. Brandon Scholes is the president and CEO of the Wisconsin Grocers Association. He says while these issues are projected to stick around, grocery stores are making adjustments to get over these hurdles.
1: So as you look forward into next year, you've got to think about, you know, number one, can I get all the products that my customers want? We've seen... We've seen that be a real challenge this past year. You go to the store, and all of a sudden, you know, you're in the juice counter, and the juice that you're looking for isn't there, or you know, another product. It comes in a day or two, or three, or four days later. But we do have periods and and products where the supplier, the manufacturer, cannot produce them because they don't have the workforce. So it it pervades all of the industry from the manufacturers and the suppliers and the shippers and the truckers and the grocery stores. Workforce is a huge, huge problem for us.
0: Are there any specific products that you've noticed have been trickier for stores to get in?
1: It's a great question because it's one that everybody asks, and I wish I had an answer that said, yes, here's the three products that are difficult to get. And it just simply isn't that easy, and it just depends. Now, we've gone through a period of time where it was tough to get eggs because of the avian flu. That was an issue, Uh, and it impacted the chicken industry. We had lots of calls about people worried about not having turkeys because of avian flu, but it turns out there were plenty of turkeys. I've seen aisles where cat food has been at a, at a minimum because they just haven't got it. or It could be anything from soft drinks to bread to meat to produce. It really just depends on where you're getting your products from and, and what their suppliers are like. It could get you anywhere in the grocery store in each aisle.
0: I suppose, yeah, it would be easier if they knew which products they'd be yeah. short on. I mm-hmm. want to ask you about inflation, though. Another pressure impacting every industry. Any break in inflationary pressure in 2023?
1: I'm afraid not. Uh, we've seen inflation, you know, kind of skyrocket into that 7-8% factor. And it's stayed there, uh, even though the feds have tried to Work on inflation by making sure we don't end up into a recession, but it's there and it's, and it's stubborn. And it's not one of those things that people can just, or anybody in the federal government or banks, or anybody can just turn on or off. It's just not like that. You know, you've seen some relief from inflationary pressures on petroleum, but it's a single commodity product as opposed to the other side of it is food and grocery store food and restaurant food and everything else. So food at home, food out, all those things are still under enormous inflationary pressures. And honestly, we don't see it. Um, coming down very much in 2023. I think, you know, most people agree that this is going to be a very slow um, process to bring it down. It's just not, like I said, it's just not simply snap your fingers out and go, oh, we're going to make inflation less tomorrow. The problem is, is that in that inflationary rate that we have today impacts the wages that people make in their jobs and what they take home. And so it, it's, it's re, you know, it's sometimes reducing their their impact what they can buy. Nevertheless, they still have to buy things for their home, for things to eat. And that's where shoppers get really smart because they, they're smart to look at price and, and make a decision on do they want this product or this product. Maybe it's private label, maybe it's name brand. They might say, you know, gee, that particular protein is really expensive, but I think this week I'm going to make something with this. So you find that people are flexible more so than they ever have been. The pandemic taught shoppers to be very flexible. So they are flexible. They plan now. They plan better, we think, about their meals and what they need uh, so they're just not walking in and, you know, having a shopping spree. And that kind of goes to meal planning. It's a good thing because it goes to nutrition and it goes to, you know, family meals around the table. All of those things we think are good things, but they're all changes that that grocery shoppers and their families have made over the last, oh, let's say, year and a half, almost two years now.
0: So consumers uh, being flexible. What about our grocers? Are what are they doing to tackle those challenges you just laid out? Supply chain, inflation, labor. Are you doing anything with the grocers' association from you know a lobbying or policy standpoint? And what are we seeing in store um, for grocers to kind of get around these barriers?
1: let's just say that that in order to grow our workforce we have to have a state where people want to come to or our college graduates want to stay and what that means is we have to have a a quality of life in wisconsin that people want to do that we think that there are issues in um, crime that have to be addressed in neighborhoods uh, housing that you know needs to be provided education um, you know uh, those sorts of things uh, daycare transportation all of those things go to good quality of life, and we're, we're encouraging and we're hoping and, and looking for legislation that can address some of those issues. That, too, is not something that you snap your fingers and have it happen overnight, but we believe it's a good place to start.
0: You know, Brandon, when we look at agribusinesses, whether you're uh, on the farm or whether you're a cheese processor, we're seeing more technology and automation in those places to tackle the hard-to-get labor. Is that something grocers are, are starting to look into?
1: Yeah, no question about it. Um, it, it. It's it's just something that at some point when you can't fill a labor gap, and the amount of you know potential pool to hire is not there, you've got to do something. And so if you look at a grocery store and you walk in and they have twelve checkout aisles with a cashier and a bagger, there's likely not all twelve is filled with cashiers and checkers. Uh, it just is simply there's not enough people to hire. And so if you have, let's say, four self-checkout machines in your section, maybe you're going to look at that and say, you know what, I think we're going to have eight. We're going to take down four of our checkout lanes, and we're going to put in four more self-checkouts. Now, lots of customers like that. I mean, they you know, got ten things in their basket. They don't want to stand in line for three minutes. Boom, they'll go to self-checkout, and they're happy to go. And, in fact, uh, uh, Woodman's, I know, is, is uh, uh, very uh, – they encourage their customers to go to self-checkout, and they have almost an equal number of self-checkout lines as they do cashier checkouts, it, depending on store to store. So, you know, you look at that knowing that a self-checkout section can run 24-7 all the time. It needs one person to to be there in case somebody needs some assistance, but that means that you don't have four – traditional checkout lane sitting there empty and taking up space and, and having almost no value and no return on investment. You see all of these sorts of changes that there some are very subtle. You know, the one that everybody likes to look at is the store that you walk in, you put your stuff in your, in your basket, you put it in a bag, it checks you out in your cart. You don't even have to go through a cash register line. It pays for, you know, virtually off your card, off your, uh, you know, uh, your payless card, and there you go. And, you know, it's kind of cool. Does it work in a grocery store? Would you buy, you know, 200 things? Yeah, maybe not, but there are just things that are, you know, that retailers are going to have to continue to look to find, to fill the gap with people, um, you know, uh, to to work at their store. They've got to serve their customers. They've got to find a way to do it.
0: Last time you talked to Midwest <laughs> Farm Report, we were talking consumer trends, and you mentioned some COVID-related trends like online shopping. What's happening right now with the consumer? What's trending? And how is this influencing what's being offered?
1: You know, I think the trend that started back in COVID times, uh, when people kind of went to the grocery store every other day and, and bought it enough to get through the next two days and came back and came back, that's changed. I think you see fewer trips, bigger baskets, which is something that started in, in, during COVID. People came to the store Maybe two times a week instead of five times a week, they still bought the same amount of stuff, but just in a shorter period. Uh, the other thing I mentioned was uh, a you know people began and learned to cook, and um, not only family meals, but in baking. You know, at one point I remember there was a shortage of yeast there's never been a shortage of yeast but everybody was learning to bake you know people paid more attention to the quality of their food to the nutritional value and what it offers their family that has continued as we move forward and we've seen no let up on that you do see while people do come to the store with a list, with with their intent clear on what they want to buy and what they're going to make for their families. I think you are starting to see some uh, some purchases back and what you'd call impulse buying. You know, you may be walking down the you know the aisle and go, "Oh gosh, I don't have any olives." Yeah, here we go. You know, start to see some more of that, um, but again. You know, people are very conscious of what they're buying, uh, what it's doing for their, you know, for, their, for their meal planning. That's going to continue into next year. Again, flexibility and what products are available, name brands or, or private label, what sort of offerings uh, are out there. People shop on price. You know they'll walk up and down the aisle and they'll look at the price of this piece of protein and this piece and this piece and this piece, and look at it, seafood and chicken and pork and beef. And they're going to make some decisions based on price and And you know that's going to drive those sorts of sales. Uh, but again, you know, up and down the supply chain, if you just think for a moment on the supply chain, from where it starts with somebody planting something, if every company, business or whomever, along the supply chain, Added just a penny to their cost to their charge. Okay, if there's ten stops along the way, and it depends, that's a dime by the time it gets to the grocer, who has to pass that ten cent increase on to a customer. Somebody knows that shoppers know the difference between two forty nine and two fifty nine. They're going to scratch their heads and go, "Whoa, where'd that dime come from?" So there's just times when you know grocers as as much as they can try really can't control prices and they they have to pass along to consumers we see that continuing into 2023 as well
0: Brandon Scholes taking some time with us. He's the president and CEO of the Wisconsin Grocers Association, outlining how both consumers and grocery stores are getting flexible to combat some of the supply chain and inflationary pressures facing the food chain. For the Midwest Farm Report, I'm Stephanie Hoff.